0: This is Kari Gale.
1: And this is Tony Kritz.
0: Welcome to the Pilgrim Loss Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder.
1: Hello, Kari. Hello, hello. I hope you're well. How was your Memorial Day weekend?
0: Oh, my gosh. It was so good. It was really mellow. Um, we did have a big barbecue here at the house yesterday. It wasn't a big barbecue, it was just with the housemates and, and, fiance's and significant others and it was like seven of us and actually it wasn't like seven it actually was seven. Seven, <laughs> seven. and we had ribs and corn and uh oh, so much goodness pie potato salad it felt totally wonderful and normal and it was such a gorgeous day such a gorgeous day we are getting just enchanting weather right now
1: we um so i had a couple things happen this weekend that I wanted to share with you. Cause I think it's so apropos to a couple things we've been talking about. One is Sunday evening. There was a goodbye party for a friend of mine who's moving to DC mm-hmm. and it was out in the burbs. And Ooh. I was one of the younger <laughs> people at the party and no masks, no discussion of masks. Wow. Um, Reading with huggy huggies so great and then um while so while i'm at this party you know of course there's lots of we haven't seen people i haven't seen in a year and they're like what's going yeah. on what's going on and i i i mentioned to one of the couples that was there that i'm going to kenya which i want to tell you about a little bit more later but i said oh i'm going to kenya in a, in a couple of weeks and they're like oh my gosh like are you are you ready to go i was like what does that mean Ready to go. Like, do you have it all planned out in every hour of your time and where you're going to stay and where there's food and where there's water? And, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I have a plane ticket. Like, I, have, I have a contact when I get there. Plan it out. Like, why would you plan it out? So that's my one. It's my first. <laughs> do you have thoughts on that? Who do they
0: think they're talking to? Who do they think they're talking to?
1: <laughs> and then yesterday, we let the boys sleep in, and then around eleven o'clock, we piled in the car and we went to the coast. We went to Cannon oh,
0: Beach. so lovely! Where did which which beach?
1: Cannon Beach. Went to oh, Cannon Beach. Canada. Sorry, it was it was Oregon perfection, right? Oh. It was cool breeze, warm sun. The beach was full of people, and then so we were right, you know, a little downtown area with all the cute little boutiques and yeah. little restaurants and stuff. We're walking around, and there's no masks. In Oregon, there's no mask. I mean, when you go into most stores, people put masks on, but as far as like walking around the streets and stuff, and even some of the stores said, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. They had to sign on the door as you walk in. That's the first time I've seen that. So that was bizarro land, And it just felt like, oh my gosh, the world might be returning to normal. And I don't know if you saw the CDC stats this morning, but numbers are crazy down.
0: Oh, no, I didn't.
1: And England just announced that in the last 24 hours, they have they had zero new cases <gasps> the first day ever.
0: Oof, yeah. I just got chills. That's amazing. So
1: it just seems like maybe we're getting ahead of the curve. So that's all really fun. But then we went down on the beach. And on the beach, sort of set up our stuff. We're old Oregonians, so we know how to do Oregon beach time. So we've got, we set up camp, you know, we do the whole thing, you know, get out there and whatever. And at one point, I'm just sitting there enjoying the sun. And I do this thing where I just get up. And I just wander away from our little camp. I don't know where I'm going. I just start to wander down towards the water. And then, you know, right there, the beach next to the downtown, if you go right, you go all the way down to like that big rock wall. And then you've got the lighthouse out in the water on that big rock, you know, about a quarter mile out in the water. there's that beautiful lighthouse out there. So I walk all the way down to that a couple miles, turn around, walk back, get to our camp or where, and I just keep going. And I go like, I go all the way to Haystack Rock in the other direction, past Haystack Rock. Yep. Turn around. And I'm just wandering. No thought of like, my family might be worried about me. So I come back an hour and a half later. I wander in and they are completely unfazed by the fact that I just disappeared for an hour and a half. Okay. So here's what I want to ask you about. This couple at this party being weirded out about me just going to Kenya and taking my 15-year-old with me, and then this weird comfort level with just sort of wandering off. And so my question for you is, is wanderlust a real thing, and where does it come from? This is what I want to discuss. Are you up mm, for this?
0: I am. And just for all of our listeners, we did not talk about this before. No, part. no, no.
1: No, Kari's totally this is completely I'm, inappropriate. I'm throwing, <laughs> I'm throwing her off.
0: <laughs> wow, that's actually a really good question because I feel like okay, I'm gonna go back to my own experience here. Right. I have had various times in my life where I have completely felt wanderlust and then i've had years and years and years so for example went to spain when i was 23 years old right uh lived there for a year went to school had every intention of going back i was going to travel the world i was going to do all the things and i felt like i really had wanderlust after living overseas for a year right then i ended up getting married and i did not travel internationally Except to like a quick trip to Mexico for twenty years. Whoa, twenty years. Yeah, we went to like you know Cancun area for a a week in the midst of our crazy remodeling years to get away. But we'd. But other than that, which some that sounds horrible that I don't count Mexico as international. But Mexico is more of a vacation destination for a lot of Americans. So as far as really getting out and traveling, I didn't do that for twenty years. Okay, so then. I go through that process that I've shared a little bit before of losing my job, deciding to go travel internationally for 15 months, living, didn't have a plan, which was very strange for me. I had like, you know, like you said, for for Kenya, the plane ticket pretty much. And I knew the first thing I was going to do, which was going to take me about a month. And then I had this wide open, you know, just calendar. I didn't know. and. I feel like that wanderlust, the moment, I don't know if at the moment I got back into that travel mode, but it, it, it came rushing back. Um, now I did have the Camino, which I believe, I believe that was for me, the catalyst. So Mm. in that 20 years, um, between the time I traveled for those long periods of time, I went on the Camino and that was such a, oh, it was just this compressed it, it was so much so much going on as far as the the epic journey the community the amount of people that you encountered that i definitely think that resparked it so i feel like i i don't necessarily think it's something that we just have i think it's something that we encounter and then we allow it to change us or we reject it
1: Okay, that's what I want to get into. You set it up perfectly. First of all, are some people more genetically predisposed to to wanderlust? And I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you: the answer is yes.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know that I believe that.
1: There's been some studies. There's been some studies that there's parts of the brain that um, that are that in some people. So basically there's like, um, wanderlust is, is connected to dopamine, like a desire for dopamine, Mm -hmm. dopamine that's found in risk and experience. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily mean wanderlust, just means you're the kind of person who's predisposed to risk and experience.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And
1: some people have that predisposition and it's actually connected to a limited dopamine level because you're not as stimulated by sort of everyday events. So you need like... Larger than life experiences in order to feel alive. And some people are just wired that way.
0: That makes total sense to me.
1: And people who have wanderlust, if this isn't a category, um, and Oh, quick disclaimer, Kari and I are not therapists. We are not clinical (laughs) sociologists. We are not, not remotely. We are curious travelers, but, um, the same people who are predisposed to wanderlust, if that's a thing, are also people who are, who are predisposed to things like addiction and um, other sorts of extreme experiences. So um, I thought that was interesting. And I just discovered that recently, which is part of why I wanted to talk about this and this kind of nature nurture side to wanderlust.
0: Well, it's an interesting topic also because I think I spoke about this a few pods ago, or maybe it was last pod the time goes i can't remember but um the idea <laughs> do you like that strange i was words? like
1: suddenly suddenly a Catherine hepburn <laughs>
0: i think so uh, <laughs> i do the worst imitations you do but boys. i like them i'm, I'm a
1: big fan I'm a big fan this is we have to get we have to pull sasha out one of these days and oh, let the world let the entire pilgrim lost world meet sasha
0: oh sasha um anyway back to the topic at hand um, I think that, that the experience of having, I mean, again, it comes down to, you talk about it being genetically uh, part of you, but it also comes down to privilege, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the idea that you could potentially be completely genetically geared toward it and never have the opportunity to do it is, is huge, right? So
1: can we stick a pin in that, that yeah, idea? Let's stick a pin, in, stick that. A pin in that. Um, so here's my next question for you. Okay. Do you think Oregonians or Portlanders are more predisposed to wanderlust than say people from the Midwest or maybe even the East coast?
0: I would say yes.
1: I would say yes. I would say yes. And I think we're standing on pretty good ground because another part of genetics is natural selection. Okay. And for those of us white people who live on the west coast we come from pilgrim stock yes we come from the kind of people who went i'm i'm gonna believe in a better world i'm gonna throw everything that i own into the back of this covered wagon and i'm gonna go and i'm gonna risk i'm gonna go into the unknown because of this belief and most people didn't come most people stayed out east which is why out east is far more densely populated than the west is and so on some level, I think we're, there's some natural selection going on with the wanderlust tendency of West Coast. Agree or disagree?
0: I would agree. I would agree. I also think that, and I, maybe not, I don't know, the the concept of the outdoors, the fact that our 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 environment is just always calling us to get outside. We have so much beauty around us. And that is a catalyst for wanting adventure and trying new things and not being in control as it were in the sense of, totally. I think that's a big thing, safety. Safety and comfort versus control. Um, Or sorry, not versus control. Safety, comfort, control versus the opposite. And so the fact that we're, most of us I remember I dated a guy just for a very short period of time and, uh, here in Portland and I found out he doesn't like to hike. And I, I thought, I think deal I breaker, deal <laughs> total deal, deal breaker. breaker, deal breaker. <laughs> but I thought, man, are you the only, I think you're the only person in Portland that I have ever met that is not a hiker or at least doesn't right. have some, some, you know, connection with the outdoors. Uh, but that idea that, we, we have this incredible world at our fingertips, I think makes us more, um, more capable, potentially, of wanting that adventure and that yeah. risk.
1: Yep. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter famously <laughs> asked Clarice, how do we learn to covet Clarice? And Clarice answered, we covet what we see every day. Mm. And out here... We see it every day and not just see it, but hear about it. We've been a part of the legend of, tra- I mean, there's not a, there's not a time in my life that I didn't know about the PCT and people who had walked from Mexico to can- to Canada, you know,
0: Absolutely. it's just,
1: and you know, the weekend getaways and going up to the mountains, with my family and whatever, and going hunting and fishing with my dad as a kid. And these are just all parts of my experience. And so it's hard for me to not have this sort of adventure mentality in light of all that, all that we've gone through.
0: I think for me, although my parents didn't travel internationally at all with, maybe we went to Canada when I was a kid, but I heard their stories and they would regale me with these tales of how, when they first got married, they were living in San Francisco. They were, you know, early twenties. They got married 22 and they saved their money for a year. And then they left and they went to Europe for a year and bought a Volkswagen Vanagon. And um, or sorry, a bus, and went around Europe, and this was yeah. this was in 1966, uh, no, sorry, 67. And so this was not it was not the world that that I it was they there was stories of them going into you know parts of of the Eastern Europe that were very dangerous at the time and having to turn the bus off and push it so that no one noticed that they were there. They ran out of gas behind the iron curtain. I mean, there's some stories Whoa. that were amazing. And um they did that for a year. That'll and, screw you up. Yeah.
1: That'll me right. <laughs> <laughs> that'll give you a wander less complex.
0: Uh but I the I guess the the connection that I have with my parents in that way that that even though I didn't experience it necessarily with them traveling internationally, my dad had this incredible spirit for adventure. He was a mountain climber. He was always seeking that next adventure. And then to hear their stories of Europe, I just assumed, and they assumed for me that I would travel. There was no, there was no question about it. Uh, so I, I think the nurture part. I mean, is that nature or is that nurture?
1: That's both. Sounds like nurture, but or maybe both. Yeah. I think I, when walking the Camino, I was always fascinated by how many Australians and Kiwis I came across.
0: There was a lot.
1: A lot. And I mean, there's no place farther from Spain than New Zealand. And yet, for some reason, they prioritized it. And I wonder if it's because they are also colonial people. Yeah. You know, this whole natural selection thing that they're. That the, their ancestors traveled from Europe to faraway lands to start a new life, and there's sort of a predisposition there. And um, and not that I'm not that this is a case for the you know the the wonders of colonialism. I think colonialism is a blight on human history against the indigenous people of the world. I want to say that very very clearly. But as far as to this topic, I think it really does have an impact on how people view. Um, travel and wander. I also think that, you know, Kari, earlier you made the comment about privilege. And throughout human history, um, pilgrimage has been part of the human story. And so often the impetus for pilgrimage, travel, wander has not been privilege. It's actually been quite the opposite. Yeah. It's been desperation. It's been fear. It's been lack. I mean, Today, one of the greatest pilgrimages in the world sits at our southern border, where there's a million people who are on pilgrimage, who are trying to get to a better life, who are believing the exact same things that my ancestors believed when they climbed in a covered wagon and crossed the United States. And do they have wanderlust? Is it? Well, that million people, there's a hundred million who stayed home. And this particular million said, no, we're going... And there's a lot of factors behind that. I'm not trying to to generalize it, but I do think it is. I do think it is telling that this is a human thing. It's not just debutantes and people who like to go on cruises. This is really a human thing, to to forge out and to experience new things and be willing to take those risks for belief in a better life. And I think that's part. That's part of. That's part of the human story.
0: Yeah, I think that's really. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that the idea that there's so many, there's so many factors tied up in, in that desire for pilgrimage and we've shared our stories and, and I always think it's fascinating to hear, hear someone's journey from whether it's going out and doing, doing a sabbatical for a year or whether it's coming to a new country, it's, I think those things are so profound when people, I think the biggest thing is that, that leaving of the comfort zone, that leaving, you know, leaving that space that, you know, for that thing that you don't and is for some of us is invigorating. And for some of us is like you said, it's desperation and it's, it's life and death. So there's these so many aspects of it, but um, I find the idea of change Simultaneously, like I feel a little bit, you know, one side is amazing, change is amazing. I want change. And the other part of me is I feel 50-50. The other part is no, I don't want change. And I struggle with that a lot, just in my own life and what I'm what I'm doing and becoming and being.
1: Yeah. Now I'm gonna get back to that. Um, do you think that our social competitive culture plays into wanderlust? how cool are the pictures on my Instagram feed? Absolutely.
0: I, I, I think that that is profoundly changed the way people look at travel. Um, so I had an experience when I was on the island of Iona, where I just got into Iona for the first time, this was, um, February and it was very, it was actually really beautiful, but also very, very wet. No, actually it was January. Um, and, um, Okay, now I'm. I'm sorry. I was on the Isle of Skye. Not that this matters for anyone. I was in Scotland, and my phone got completely monsoon drowned in my pocket when I was out walking. So, I headed off to Iona. I had no phone, and. Uh, I had sent it off to uh, Edinburgh to get my iPhone replaced. And so I had no way to document what I was seeing. And it was one of those things like if the tree falls in the wood and no one hears it, does it, you know, the whole thing. I thought, I'm like, how do I experience this in a different way, knowing that no one's going to see these pictures or at least they won't right now. And it was such a good exercise in being present. Yes. Yes. Instead of, trying to find that best shot to really impress my fr- Cause we're not, none of us are immune to that. None of us are immune unless you just really have been, um, hardcore about it and you don't have a phone and you don't, you don't interact in the social world. But if you interact in the social world at all, and both you and I do on some level, we, we want to impress people. And I'm a three. I want people to look at my credible adventures and, think wow she's amazing isn't isn't she amazing in that amazing place so there i was with no phone and it was the best thing in the world for me to take i had 3 weeks where i wasn't posting pictures and i was blogging at the time i still had my computer so i was able to share but it was a definitely more thoughtful share so it was me Um, kind of sharing my journey and my thoughts and what I was experiencing rather than just like, look at this amazing shot. And I think, I think most people that go out and travel these days, I mean, that's, that's a massive part of the, the culture of, I don't know anybody that doesn't share pictures on social media when they're traveling.
1: Yeah, there's that side, but there's also the pre-travel motivation. I think there's just a lot of pressure on people you know, if, if my friends are posting rich lives, you know, expensive meals and rich parties and traveling to exotic places, well, I've got to keep, I got to keep up with the Joneses. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, you know, strapping on a sarong and walking on the beaches of Mexico, but at least that competes at least, you know, it, it looks just as cool. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm validated by that, and I want other people to validate me. And when I come back and say, "Oh, I saw your pictures. You were, you look so beautiful when you're walking on the white sand." Like I did it, you know. And I think there's just a, I, I don't even know if that's good or bad. I just I just know that's such a part of our culture right now.
0: I think it's I think it can be. I mean, it, like most things in the, in life, it has the it has a pro and it has a lot some pros and cons, right? And the pros are that that we get we get to share and traveling as a single woman for 15 months, it was exciting to share my th- my photos and it wasn't necessarily the best photo, but when you're alone and you're traveling, to it, it brings community with you because if you were with a person, you'd want to turn to that person and be like, look at that amazing sunset or cathedral or ocean. And when you're alone, you, you kind of turn and there's nobody there. So you want to share what you're experiencing. And I think that can be really-
1: yeah, or Um, not to go super spiritual, but Hmm. I think, I think our sensation of being alone is so much tied in the fact that we're addicted to these filtered versions of connection, these distance versions. because, um, whether it's the divine or if it's just feeling connected to the sand and the trees and the, and the wind and feeling like I'm not alone. I'm really, I'm really connected. These, these things are a part of me. I'm a part of them. The the same stardust that fills me fills the, the flowers, you know, that can I, can I feel that? But if everything is being lived through, you know, the, the old adage, you know, you spend so much time taking photos and videos of your vacation that you never experience it or your holiday. And that's sad to me.
0: You know, I completely agree with you. And I think, I think that 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 sharing aspect that I just talked about is it's, it's an easy, it's an easy out as it were. It, it, do, it doesn't force you to, to be present. And I mean, one of the things that I share in my workshops is the reason why I do journal art is because it forces me to be exactly in the moment and to engage Great. in all of my senses, not just, um, you know, my eyes taking a, a snapshot. I, I get to be in the moment and that to me is magical. And that is why I always am doing art on my travels now because that forces me to be much more present, to really engage in what you're talking about. I don't think that the other is a bad thing per se, but it is an easy way for us to feel like we're connecting when we're not actually really connecting. Um, it's it it's it's a little bit of a connection, but it, it's almost like wanting a meal and having some cotton candy, you know? Mm. Um, and then the con, of course, is that like you said, you're not, you're not present. You're not, you, you, it can be a a way of feeling like you're, you're capturing something or living an experience, but then, I mean, how many of us have gotten, okay, this, this is maybe, well, when we used to actually have photos, I, you know, go when you look through your photos, or even if you look through your photos on your phone now, and you have no, you know, memory of what it was that you were like, where was this? Did what Perfect. was I there at that Perfect. thing, you know, and, and you don't remember, you don't remember any, but if you, for me, if I look at one of my drawings, like I know exactly where I was, I know the sounds, I can remember the voices. I can remember the smells. I can remember the temperature. It's yeah. It's, it's to me that, that, that forces me to be present in a really beautiful way. But, um, I hope, I don't know. I, I I want to anticipate that there's going to be a shift in social media. I feel like young people, not necessarily not millennials, but people that are 12, 13, early teens that are coming up and starting to, to get into this culture. I feel like they want more than social media is offering. I don't know. I hope that's my hope is that, that it's not a bad thing, but again, it's like a cotton candy, that cotton candy. And that, People are going to long for better ways to connect, better ways to be engaged, and to share what they're experiencing, than um, you know, having someone just scroll through their pictures at a you know yeah at a pace where they don't the person viewing it doesn't even absorb it either. So,
1: okay, I got a couple more questions for you in regards to the origins of wanderlust. Um, do you think our wanderlust? and being an adrenaline junkie, are they the same thing or are they different?
0: I think they're different because I'm not an adrenaline junkie.
1: I'm not either.
0: I'm not, not at all.
1: Okay. Okay, why, why, what do you think the difference is?
0: I think the difference is there's an aspect of traveling that is like, as I shared earlier, this idea of the new, the different, the, the un, unknown. Okay, and the adrenaline junkie is speed. Go faster,
1: go farther. Go more risk, more fear.
0: Yeah. So I think the difference between uh, a person with wanderlust and an adrenaline junkie is maybe it's this idea of, of pace. So an adrenaline junkie wants to be super fast. They want to go through life at a breakneck speed. Whereas someone with Wanderlust, or at least the folks that I connect with that have Wanderlust, it's more of an aspect of slowing down and being present in the moment and getting a chance to really absorb a culture or a new experience. But it's done in a way that is slower. And adrenaline is just, to me, it's all about speed. Now, this is me just guessing because I'm not an adrenaline junkie. So do you, would you, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe part of it's just found in the name. I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot about neurology, but maybe it's the difference between desiring adrenaline and desiring dopamine. I mean, maybe on a biological level, there's, there's that, but I do think that adrenaline junkies, they are, they are fueled by the extreme, the new the scary um and the way that i think of wanderlust it's a lot more about the experience or be you know the, the all five senses being stimulated and the the collecting experiences i think about it more in those terms and so i'm sure they're related and i'm sure some people have both uh but yeah
0: i think there's a lot on that venn diagram that, that overlaps in totally this you totally, know. and there
1: are ways that I am, but yeah. but when I when I go when I travel, my first thought isn't you know I wonder if I can skydive when I get there. Absolutely. You know, it's if I get an opportunity to go skydiving, you know, uh, Hudson and I might get a chance, like do a zip line while we're in Africa, and that would be really fun to be go over an African jungle, you know, on a zip line. That sounds cool, but it's not. That's going to be something that I sort of we stumble upon while we're there. I'm like all right, let's try that, you know, or whatever. All right, my last, my last thing I just wanted to bring up because I think it's so important is how much wanderlust is fueled by our stories. And um, w- we talked a little bit earlier about how need and desperation causes pilgrimage around the world, particularly among the impoverished. Um, but we've also talked on the podcast a ton about how grief was a fuel, fueled your pilgrimage. Yeah. and And how almost penance-fueled mine, Mm. which is a complicated term that maybe we don't have room for right now. But um, I just wanted to point out that there's so much, so much of it is about the chapter of life we're in or what, or what our our life, what life is handed to us and how we respond to it.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I have been talking a lot about that lately because when I moved back after my my last episode of extreme wanderlust, you know, and I built my house and I started to put roots down and I really love my life right now. And I am enjoying being here and being rooted, but there's there's sort of a a weird fear that comes with rooting, rooting myself, because I think in many ways I started to identify myself with this idea of this, this person with wanderlust that I would always be this way. And I would always be off, you know, heading here, or heading there for a week or two weeks or a month or six months. And that was going to be who I was. And my life has shifted and changed. Yeah. And so at this particular moment in my story, I really can't imagine being gone for a month. Um, I'm dating someone that I love. I want to be around that person. I don't want to be gone for that long. Mm. And uh, although the desire for new and different still lives in me, it's probably not going to be happening right in this moment in time. And I-, I think it's okay to be able to put, to know that you're that person and still have it be this like precious thing that you put aside for times of our life. You know, I mean, there's been tons of people that have, not tons, maybe, but a handful of folks who've reached out to to us on Pilgrim Lost and talked about their desire for the Camino, and it's just not in the cards for them to go in this moment in time. They have little right. kids, or they have things going on in their life that's just going to prevent that from happening. But I think Wanderlust can be like dare I say, like a coal or an ember of a fire and you, you keep it warm, you keep it going and it doesn't have to totally take over your life. And then the moments that you're able to do it, you can like fan that flame and allow it to to grow and build. And then it can, and then it can diminish again. And I think that our stories will, will dictate that to some degree. And sometimes we if I'm going to just go on with that metaphor, sometimes we, we purposely fan the flame and sometimes things happen to us and that blows, it blows it up, you know? So in my case, it was divorce and I that fire was huge. I had to change something. I had to go somewhere and be right. a different person. So I feel like it can definitely shift and change based on where we are in our story and what's happened to us and the choices that we make, but then what, you know, what we choose to do with that.
1: Okay, all you wander lusters out there in Pilgrim Lost Land, um, it appears, or at least we we have forwarded the idea that there is a nature component to it that some people predisposed that um either through natural selection or genetics, but also we are also nurtured into a wandering desire by um, our experiences and our access to adventure. And also the uh, life experience and social media and all that stuff pushes us in certain directions. Kari, this has been great. Um, I, I don't know the our next episode. Normally we do an episode every first and third Tuesday of the month. The next episode, I'm going to be in Kenya and a little bit out. I'm gonna I'm not going to be available, so we might take the next one off. We'll have to figure that out. Any any thoughts before we go?
0: No, except I just hope that you um, have a wonderful time exploring and uh, experiencing in Kenya and getting,
1: getting my wanderlust out.
0: I'm really, I'm going to ask you for your next blog to just give us some thoughts on how it's, how that feels to go back into the world of travel again and, and engage in that wanderlust because so many of us are wanting that so badly, but we're not quite there yet. I'm not quite ready. Mm-hmm. Like your friend said, are you ready? Are you ready? So uh, it'll be fun to hear from you how that, how that goes and how you experience
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've been to dozens and dozens of countries and but I, the only part of Africa I've ever been to is Egypt. So this is, this is a very different part of the world. I've never had a chance to smell and see and hear and taste and all those things. So all the, all the senses will be alive. Um, it's a little bit of a, the State Department definitely would prefer that I not go and take my 15 year old. Um, so anybody who's on speaking terms with the divine, um, please, please say a word for us but um i'm really not worried i mean i'm just i don't i don't really have that scared gene when it comes to travel and um just in closing uh we've had a little bit of um audio problems on this recording we've tried to work most of them out but thanks for your patience in a few places where um karim to skipping as I'm recording this from my house. But uh, thanks for your patience and for spending this time with us. Thanks, everybody, for getting lost with us.
0: Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.